Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Hey, leaders, Andrew here, and with me, as always, is Dr. Tim Elmore. How's it going today, Tim? <laughs> I'm doing well. Don't looking... you love it when I greet you that way? I do. I do. I look forward to it each time. Awesome. I'm really, seriously, looking forward to this conversation, though. I agree. I agree. The, you know, there's lots of conversations we have that are uh, sort of these balancing act yeah, situations, right. and so much of life is that way. Yeah. And this is just such a really good conversation. So compassion and consequences is our subject today. And we know that if a young person is going to grow up and succeed, they really need to experience both of those things. You have you had a childhood experience, or uh-huh. at least as a minor. Yeah. Uh, talk about that, because this is a great illustration of both compassion yeah. and consequences. It is. It is. Yeah. So years ago, you know, I've told many stories that if somebody would listen to all of my stories, they would go, what the heck happened to you as a teenager? <laughs> and why did you hire him, Tim? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of those, prepare yourself. But I had a group of friends years ago. We were teenagers. In fact, I think I was 16 years old. I was one of those kids who went and got my driver's license as soon as I turned 16. And I had my dad's old blue Ford Taurus. And, uh, you know, you're young. And we had lots of ideas. And one of the ideas we got on an afternoon, I think there were three or four of us together is, you know, what if Andrew gets in his car and he starts driving and another person gets on a scooter? You remember those Razor scooters were all the rage. This is the early 2000s. And they, you know, there's no clear way to hold on to a Ford Taurus. So we opened the gas tank, you know, where you fill in the gas and he's, so my friend is holding with, with his right arm onto the gas tank and his left arms on the scooter. And basically we want to see is like, how fast does it feel (laughs) if I'm going like 15 or 20, you know? And, and, uh, so I think we probably got up to about 10 miles per hour and then way ahead of us down the road, my friend's dad, my other friend who was in the car with me comes over the hill and he sees everything we're doing all at once. Well, of course, my friend trying to get away with it throws the scooter and runs off, you know, And but we didn't get away with anything. So what happens is that my friend's dad actually thought this was hilarious, right? He doesn't think about all the things that could have happened. That I now, by the way, as a fully functioning adult, I can see eight ways that could have gone yes, terribly yes. wrong, including, yeah. including my friend getting run over by a car. But um, he thinks it's hilarious. He calls... My friend who was on the scooter, his dad tells him, oh, they laugh about it. Then he calls my dad oh. to tell him this hilarious thing the boys just did. And Mark didn't think it was quite as funny. He did not oh, think boy. it was funny okay. at all. And so when I actually got home, the story had already made it to my parents. And they said, we heard something about what happened today. And it, it was one of those moments where they said, Andrew, did you even think yeah. about what could have happened? And it was like, no, honestly, I really didn't, you know, and we talked through what, you know, think about what could happen, what your friend could be injured, all those kinds of things. And it ended with them going, listen, we're going to have to take your car away for two weeks. And that's how I got, I wasn't yeah. able to drive for two yeah. weeks as a result of that. But it was very clear that the reason they did that was merely because they wanted me to understand yes. The consequences the, the, and of the that. gravity, yeah, yeah of the, no the, the potential it. consequences. And I, of course, I couldn't help but think as a 16 year old, why can't you be like, those other people. That's right. He dads. thought it was funny. Yeah. But I look back on that moment, I think, I don't know that they could have handled that much better, you know, of combining yeah. the compassion of, listen, I, clearly you didn't think about this, so let me fill you in, right? Yeah. But also the consequences of, you're not really going to get this 
unless we take this away and you realize you see some consequences for your actions. You know, one of the reasons I think this conversation is so crucial is this. In the teenage brain, we now understand that the portion of their brain that calculates rewards mm-hmm. for risky behavior is way ahead Fully of the part developed. of their brain. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of the one that calculates the risk for such behavior. Yeah. So you thought, no, dad, I wouldn't think about that. I was thinking about how fun this is gonna be. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And especially males, maybe females too, but I know guys, <laughs> we can just go, yeah, jumping off a cliff sounds awesome. Yeah. Catch it on your phone, would you? Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, and so we have such a story today that we yeah. want to base this conversation on. Yeah. I was recently, in fact, last month, uh, I read about this. A Chicago Metra train conductor was robbed at gunpoint in broad daylight. Wow. So that was audacious yeah. on whoever did that. Yeah, audacious um, to do it in the first place, but yeah. to do it in broad daylight. I know, yeah. So not long after, photos of the robbery suspect were released, and that's when the armed thief was apprehended. Immediately. Even though he was wearing a mask, it all happened very quickly. Yeah. And Andrew, you'll never guess how the thief was captured so fast. Let, let me tell you, it's crazy. When the security camera's photos were published, the suspect's mother <laughs> saw them, recognized her son, and brought him to the police station to turn himself in. I'm imagining her holding him by the ear. ear. That's yes. what I'm seeing too. I'm sure that wasn't true, but yeah. I see, you know, dragging yeah. him Let's off go. Let's to go. the station. I'm not joking. So Zion Brown was a sophomore at Loyola University in Chicago and got away with about $100. Uh, that is until his mom stepped in. He did not get away. Yeah. Brown was represented by a private defense attorney, so he had a lawyer there, who argued that his client was, was hungry and was looking for a bite to eat. The lawyer asked Cook County Judge Miriam Ahmad to remember her days as a hungry college student in determining his bail. Well, Ahmad replied she did remember her days as a hungry student, but would have never considered robbery to solve the problem. She ordered Brown to be held without bail. Mm. So I want you to focus now in your mind, Andrew, as we ask our listeners to as well, the mom and the judge, two ladies that seem to not just back down off of, oh, this was a hard day, wasn't it? Yeah. We'll let you off the hook. Yeah. Now, some might, and boy, particularly in our day where you see how stressed out kids are, oh, give them a break. They're already stressed out anyway. Yeah. But these two ladies didn't. Yeah. And it happens. What's funny about this story is if you had told me this story and said this happened in 1995, I would believe it, right? Yeah. But the world of parenting today is protect my kids from yes. all consequences, yes. you know? it really and is. so it is just amazing to me that we've got a mom here who says, no, I'm going to make sure my son is held responsible for this, yeah. especially in worlds like we've talked about previous moms who mm-hmm. had their kids removed from the country so yeah. they wouldn't face consequences, you know? That's this true. This is sort of the antithesis of, of a lot of stories that we hear. It's yeah. just really I great. I remember talking to a principal of a school that said, um, one of the juniors in our high school, her, her mom called the school and said, I want to remove my daughter from the civics class. I want her to put her in a different class. And that's... Not super hard, but you only do it if you really have to. And they yeah. ask why, why, why do this? Well, her former boyfriend's in that class, and it might be distracting for her. Yeah. And I'm going. My mom and dad would have said, "Yeah, you're gonna suck it up, buddy. Yeah. Come on, yeah. get your grade." And, and my mom and dad were compassionate, but there has been a change. Yes, for sure in yes. the narrative. So I got to tell you, when I think about this judge and this mother, I have to applaud their leadership. So let's talk now about when compassion and consequences often collide and why they don't have to. 
So very often, Andrew, I'll be honest with you, I find myself feeling compassion, as I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. These kids are stressed out today. Anxiety is high. uh, Panic attacks are high. It's just a very difficult time. It's a hard time. It really is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I feel compassion and and as they face the stressors of an uncertain future. But I believe, however, if we allow empathy to let students, quote unquote, off the hook yeah. uh, for wrong behavior, it creates a very slippery, slippery slope for them yeah. morally. Yeah. Um, it's huge. And further, I would add, it may be a less compassionate response in the long run. Yep. You let them off the hook and now they start expecting this or they're conditioned to uh, the judge will let me off, the teacher, my boss, my wife are going to let me off the hook. And no, the boss and the wife may not be as compassionate yeah. when this happens for the sixth time. Absolutely. Yeah. So what if Zion Brown's mother had merely felt sorry for him and decided to let him get away with it. She could have done that. Yeah. Would have been easier for her. Yeah. She didn't have to walk down or drive down to a police it, station. It may be that if she hadn't turned him in, nobody else would have ever caught him. It's true. Uh, w- would he then do it again and again? Maybe. And what if the judge, um, Judge Ahmad, had merely felt sorry for him and let him off with a small bail? At first, it might feel good to this 18-year-old young man, but it sends the message that illegal behavior can be excused in dire circumstances. Yes, yes. Well, my big question is then, who determines what's a dire circumstance? Yeah. A student might go, uh, getting a B, you yeah. know, or, or you know what I'm saying. I was really angry after my yeah, B yeah, on my test. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I totally we're, we're being facetious, but it starts. it's just a slippery slope. So over time, dire could be defined as a, any difficult situation. Can they cheat if a class seems too hard? Can they lie if they don't want to face adverse outcomes for a poor choice? Can they steal if they get hungry between meals? That's what the Zion Brown said. I was hungry. Well, that doesn't mean you can steal yeah. something. Everybody gets hungry every day. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. So this, um, all we're trying to convince you of, listeners, and maybe we're preaching to the choir, is it's a slippery slope to just show compassion without leveling some sort of justice so that they are conditioned to do, to do right. Yeah. And I know this is an example that maybe seems dramatic after yeah. all the people yeah. re- listening to this are probably not, um, you know, interacting with students who are robbing people, yeah. you know, Good every point. single day. Yeah, right. But I, you know, it reminds me of a conversation I had that's almost very similar with a, a math teacher after one of the events that I did a few months ago. And she said, I just feel like students are so stressed, so yeah. overwhelmed that often I've got this lesson plan and I feel bad yeah. Teaching them that new math idea, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. So it's like, they're so overworked. They're so stressed out. Am I just adding to the noise? Yeah. And what we talked about is, well, it might be more compassionate in the long run for you to kind of carefully and kindly, but keep pushing forward because what happens if the students never learn that math yeah. problem, then they're behind. And then you're putting them in a more stressful situation in the future. And it's, that's to me is just kind of like a lesser version of this exact same scenario. Andrew, it reminds me of the statement that we make because of a new habitude we've created called the diamond secret. Um, pressure isn't the problem. It's the solution. Yeah. We humans are not going to be at our best unless there's a bit of pressure. So it looks compassionate to remove all pressure, yeah. but they're going to need that. Now, not undo. You don't go to a weight room and say, give me a thousand pounds. Let me see what I can do. Yeah. That's going to hurt you. Yeah. But lifting two pounds isn't going to stretch you and it's yeah. not going to make you better. So pressure isn't the problem. It's actually the solution. And I think when we combine compassion and consequences, now we've got a, a fitness center emotionally, socially, dare I say, spiritually for their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the bottom line is what I'm saying is this. Even when I feel empathy for a student that's struggling, 
I need to understand the difference between explaining poor behavior yeah. and excusing yes, poor behavior. Yes, that's good. Just because we know they're having a hard day, that doesn't make it okay to steal. Yeah. We need to say they're having a hard day. Let's hug them as we say, here's the penalty. Yeah. I'm not kidding at all about this. I'm sure Brown's mother empathized with her son's predicament. I do too. I've been hungry before, you know? <laughs> That's right. But she still knew right from wrong, and he believed, she believed he did as well. Yeah. You know right. I've taught you for 18 years, son. Um, even if he was hungry, there are legal ways to obtain enough cash to get food, maybe even from mom. Um, excusing it would send him on a bad trajectory. I'm sure Judge Ahmad empathized with the defendant's case, but she knew she could not lighten the sentence because... Brown or his attorney asked for it, soon everything would be on a sliding scale, yeah. and that's what he would expect. Yeah. In fact, they could point back to a precedent. Well, the judge, when I was 18, said this. I'm just saying, if we care about them and we play the long game, it's compassion and consequences, not either or. I love this. Yeah. I love this. This is a message every parent out there needs to hear. I think so. So let's talk just for a minute about the why, why we must extend empathy wisely. And then we can get into a practical idea that I think is going to be, I mean, I need to remind myself of it as I work with students. That's great. So why we must extend empathy wisely. That's the topic here. Um, this mother that we're talking about and the judge are exceptions to the common rule that we see today. Yep. They conducted themselves in a way very few parents do, at least in our current culture. Because so many don't understand empathy, adults have allowed the headwinds of culture to weaken their leadership. Parents will often side with their children, even adult children, Andrew, yeah. uh, against other adults who attempt to teach, coach, manage, or lead their sons and daughters. And we feel sorry for our stressed out kids and soon excuse all sorts of wrong actions. And I believe this sets them up to be sabotaged later in life when the law is enforced. Hmm. We're not doing the police any favors. No, we're, we're not. not do doing the employer any favors, any coach any favors. Uh, they will most assuredly meet employers, landlords, police officers, even, even partners, wives or husbands, who don't let them off the hook, and they're going to feel like victims. I'm a victim. No, 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 no. Y you should have learned this back when you were 16 years old and you didn't. And now they're blindsided at 25 or, or even 27 years old. Mm -hmm. So here's a big idea. Listeners, I want you to catch this. Um, we can differ in our morals and values, as they often represent personal convictions. Absolutely. But ethics and laws are a part of our social contract. Yeah. You and I talk a lot about social contracts. Yep. Um, stealing from someone, while it's understandable, is not right. It is wrong. And Brown's mother reinforced this fact, even when it would likely cost her something before her son's predicament was over. She probably had to cough up some money or do something. It made it harder for her, not just him. So what are some steps? Uh, to, to show empathy. Well, that's what we need to talk about next. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about those solutions in just a minute, but first let's take a break. We've got a great resource that I think is going to be really helpful if you find yourself in a predicament where you want to build this same compassion and consequences. Go for it. Andrew here. I'd like to talk to you about one of our latest resources, Generation Z Unfiltered, facing nine hidden challenges of the most anxious population. Those born since the turn of the 21st century have grown up in challenging times, full of polarization, panic attacks, pandemics, and protests. These shifts have shaped a generation of young people that we call Generation Z, and they are now the most overwhelmed and the most empowered generation in human history. 
In our book on Generation Z, Tim and I give an unfiltered view of just who these kids are and give teachers, parents, coaches, and leaders practical advice on how to tackle nine of the greatest challenges today's students are facing. Pick up a copy of Generation Z Unfiltered today at growingleaders.com slash store. All right, Tim, we're back and we're talking about how to show empathy without caving, right? So it's this balance between compassion and consequences. And you've got a really good idea of how to do this well. Andrew, I believe that leaders must communicate to someone like Zion Brown, I care for you and I believe in you. And because I do, I will not dilute the consequences for your wrong choices or or actions. Yes. In the short run, I realize you'd like to be let off the hook for this one. So would I but I refuse to reinforce this poor choice by removing the consequence for it. You are better than that. You are better than that. We need to communicate that. I love that. And you just demonstrated this, in, 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 that you, then you just demonstrated in this choice. Yeah. So I, I think that's the bottom line. However we word it, we need to find our own words, but that's the big idea. By the way, if we say we believe in kids, and we all do, do you? Do you just say it or do you show it? Yeah. If we show it, that means... Well, okay, I'm going to level this consequence because I actually believe they're better than what they just showed me. If I really believe in them, if I really care for them, if I really love them, then I will realize I want their long-term good, not just their short-term happiness. That's right. This is a long game. Absolutely. Uh, Then, once we've done this, we as leaders can demonstrate our compassion by walking alongside of them. We don't just leave them and say, well, good luck. Yes, yes, Um, that's We walk alongside of them as they face the consequences, showing them our care, not just telling, and believing them in uh, along the way. Um, Case in point, I I bet Zion Brown's mom was behind behind him in court the whole time. I, I bet she was, yeah. So in short, don't remove the outcome, but improve the outcome. Love it. Don't remove it, but improve it. I know that sounds kind of pithy, but I just believe, I remember things when they rhyme like that. Don't remove the outcome, but improve the outcome. As our young people mature, there will be times to expend mercy and forgiveness. There are. Yes. Uh, you and I both got some. Yes. Uh, but those should be seen as gifts. They're exceptions to them, not just I expect and I'm, ty- I'm entitled to, you know, be let off the hook every single time. Yeah. So um, a cursory observation of Zion Brown's crime and punishment may appear to be a story of a misguided young man who did not have a compassionate mother or judge. On the contrary, I believe, they led them well uh, and prepared him for his future. So here's the two bullet points I want you to remember. This is kind of simple to get, but it's hard to practice. Always stand for truth and justice, but always walk beside them as it's leveled. Yeah. So always stand for truth and justice, but always walk beside them as it's leveled. You know, um, Andrew, years ago, I read a great story. Um, And it's really similar to this one, actually. Uh, It was a story about a young man who was sentenced for a crime he had committed. And this was very different for their family. They had not had a family of criminals. It was a very middle-class, upstanding family. Um, His father, while embarrassed by his son's actions, was with him through the entire process, from the arrest to the jury's verdict. And when the judge asked the defendant to stand for his sentencing, here's what I love. His father stood with him. Mm. That wasn't protocol. His dad just felt like, I'm going to stand with my son as if it were me. Um, it was an act of solidarity without removing the concept. He didn't say, wait a minute. Yeah. And his son saw his dad stand and I think was moved. But that's the picture we're painting. Stand for truth and justice. Walk beside them all the way. And if we lead this way, 
I think we're going to have a great outcome in the end. This is awesome. It's true in any context, not just crimes committed, right? Mm -hmm. But also any boneheaded decision they might yeah. make, right? Make sure they're held you know, there are consequences for yeah. that, but that you're there along the way. You're helping them understand, helping them learn to improve for next time. I think this is such a great principle we've got to remember. Yeah. Well, as we're teaching this to teachers and parents yeah. and leaders, we actually have one of our Habitudes images that is such a yeah. great way to sort of capture what we're teaching um, here. Uh, and so I wonder if you might walk through that. Yeah. I love this metaphor. So this metaphor really is helpful to me. It allows me to be with them before them, be behind them, but don't remove the outcomes. So the it's a very strange couplet in this metaphor. I'm just but I warn, love it. I love it. I'm warning listeners. We simply call it surgeons and vampires. Okay, two people you don't usually soak that put in. Together. Surgeons yeah. and vampires. So whenever we put habitus together, we often do duets, and the duets usually have something together or yeah. something they have in common. So the item that a surgeon and a vampire both have in common is they both draw blood. Yeah. Right? You think of blood when you think of a vampire. Yep. You think of blood when you think of a surgeon. Yep. But very different outcomes. Yes. So um, if you watch television and movies these days, you know we've had 20 years of shows about vampires. Yes. So, But here's this typical scenario. The vampire is often sneaking up on an unsuspecting victim, mm -hmm. right? Darkened room. Yep. Sinister organ music, usually, right? Yeah, yes. The, 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 the vampire bites the victim, usually on the neck, and they fall to the ground, and they're gone. Or they turn into a vampire. Yeah. Okay? Now, it's a scenario. The surgeon, on the other hand, very, very different. He or she is off, also going to draw blood, but well-lit room. Totally different situation. Everybody knows what's coming. You plan the surgery, usually. Sometimes yep. there's emergency surgery, but usually you're planning for it. Yeah. Uh, the surgeon is well-trained and well-prepared for this encounter. And then here's what I love. They don't, they don't just slice up every part of your body. Yeah. You know, go, oh, let's just dig around and see what, what else is wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> they take out the tumor, and then you're left to heal, yeah. at least in an optimal scenario. Yeah. So I think this paints a picture of how we offer compassion and criticism yeah. or, or, or consequences. Sometimes we act, in fact, let me be honest, sometimes I act more like a vampire. In my humanity, I'm so frustrated at so-and-so that I might sneak up on them. They yep. have no idea they're about to be critiqued. Ambush them, yeah. That's right. They're ambushed. That's yeah. a great verb. And, you know, I, I critique them or, or whatever. And I don't do this commonly, but if I'm left to myself and I'm not prepared, I'm just emoting. Yeah. In fact, I'm letting out my own anger. Yeah. And, of course, they're unsuspecting and they have a bad experience with, with this consequence thing. And they don't like criticism at all. Um, I like it when I turn into a surgeon. So we plan this tough talk. Yeah. And we, I, I'm able to couch it with, here's several things that you did right here. Here's one thing we're going to want to change. And I'm able to take out a tumor. Yep. So my two words that I want people to take away from this is, we're usually going to offer critique or feedback yep. from relief or belief. Mm. So when I offer it out of relief, I'm just relieving myself of my own emotional anguish. Yep. I'm frustrated. Getting off my shoulders. We even say that, don't we? I'm getting us off my chest. Yeah. Or, my shoulder. or I'm venting. I am venting. Yeah. It's about me. Yep. When I do it out of belief, I'm thinking about them, not me. I'm thinking, I really know Andrew's got it in him to do this. So yeah. I'm going to sit down with maybe a hard conversation. Won't be fun. Surgery is never fun. It's never Nobody's fun. going, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 you know you're better for it in the yeah. end. And that's so surgeons are vampires. I want this to haunt you. 
speaking of vampires, in a wonderful <laughs> way. Are you a surgeon or a vampire yeah. when you level the consequences for behavior? That. Yeah. Well, it's a story we often tell with uh, with this habitude, but I wonder yeah. if you could talk about a leader who we saw. Yeah. In fact, in some ways, I think he inspired yeah. the idea behind this habitude, but it was a principal at a yeah. school out in Washington yeah. who totally understood and practiced this principle. Yeah. So Jim Sporleader retired a few years back, but he's been an inspiration and was for this habitude. Jim Sporleader uh, was the final uh, job he had uh, in education before he retired was the principal of um, Lincoln High School. It's an alternative high school. So they have kids that didn't make it through the traditional high school. This was their one last chance to get their diploma before they move on to adult life. But so it's got a, it's a tough uh, student body. You yeah. know, these are kids that are at risk academically or emotionally or socially. And, um, Jim wanted this job. In fact, he wanted it so bad. This sounds weird. He told the APs there, I'll take the disciplinary uh, incidents. So, and usually that goes to the assistant principal. Yeah. He said, no, give it to me. They I said, great, Yeah, fine. no problem. Yeah. So here's what he decided to do. In all of his career, he, he, he decided, I got to do something different. And he knew that Lincoln High School had a reputation for lots of detentions and suspensions. So lots of kids sent home for, for, for a while yeah. or delayed, you know, after school. I had a few detentions in my day. That's a whole nother podcast yeah, for another that's time. Next, that's the next podcast. That's right. Keep yeah. listening. So um, here's how Jim did it. Uh, typically, when a student, often a male, would just uh, cut loose in class and drop an F-bomb. Yeah. That was a no-no. Yell at the okay. teacher or whatever Yeah, yell at the yeah. teacher or yell, or, or yell at anybody. Yeah. So drops an F-bomb. The teacher would send that student down to the principal's office. You can imagine as he's walking from the classroom to the principal's office, he's seething with anger. Yep. He's looking for a street fight. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just ready for anything. Yeah. In fact, first person to talk to him, watch out. Yep. So Jim knows this. So when the student walks in, Jim doesn't say a word. That would just probably overstimulate things. He points to the chair, a padded, you know, cushioned seat in the office. And just lets it be quiet for about a moment or two. So, you know, time passes. Things do settle. Yeah, settle a little bit. That helped. But after a moment or two, Jim gets up from behind his big walnut desk, walks around to the chair just opposite this student, leans in and just quietly says, wow, I just heard what happened. That doesn't sound like you. Are you okay? Is there anything going on at home? that might have led to that. Well, you can imagine that compassionate lead. Jim said, oftentimes the student just breaks down them, mm. breaks down and opens up. Yeah. Uh, Dad just left. Mom's on crack. My uncle just sexually assaulted my sister or something like Some that. Some horrible situation. Yes, that we can only this. imagine. Yeah. yeah. And yet, as he opens up, you can tell now the heart, they're connecting heart to heart, yeah. not head to head, butting it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that allows the story to come out, and Jim's now able to address the real issue, not the, you know, the, the F-bomb in class. Yeah. Now, here's what I like about this. It's compassion, then consequences. Jim still issues an ISS, an in-school suspension, yep. Yep. but he does it out of compassion, says, you know, I've still got to do this because I want you to get this. And the student would often nod, and they have the in-school suspension. But Jim said, it's so interesting. Often that student will go back and unsolicited back in the classroom offer an apology. Mm. No adult told him to do that. Yep. But he's so now found an equilibrium in his emotions that he realized that that's not me. That's not 
what I want to be. That's not the man I want to be. And Jim said, it's transformed. In fact, <laughs> the, the suspensions just dropped dramatically. I think they dropped in half. And then down below, it was just crazy cool. But it was a compassionate leader that didn't take away the consequences. He was a surgeon, not a vampire. Mm -hmm. And he led that school well. I love it. I love that story so much. I love that style of leadership. May we all model yeah. Jim Sporlater because what a, what a beautiful story. Well, if you're sitting there and you're thinking about how do I lead my students well, maybe you're even wondering, how do I understand my students yeah, yeah. first before I could lead them well? Uh, you've already heard us talk about this resource, but I would really commend to you a book that Tim and I worked on called Generation Z Unfiltered. Uh, it's a great resource that basically overviews who these kids are, as well as some of the key challenges that they're facing today and how we can help lead them better. Uh, as we are in these really challenging times. So if you're interested in picking that up, go on over to growingleaders.com slash store, or you can find it on Amazon, but growingleaders.com slash store is a great place to find lots of resources. Generation Z Unfiltered, I'd really encourage you to pick that up. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, that would greatly help us. If you found this particularly helpful and thought of somebody you might uh, who might also find this to be helpful, please share it with them, pass it along to them. We would appreciate that. Uh, if you want to connect with us online on social media, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally... If you have ideas for this podcast, people you think we should interview, subjects you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Well, Tim, thank you so much for challenging us and helping us think about compassion and consequences today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go out and lead the next generation well, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.